it is that time again. It is time for the Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Wintrust, proud legacy partner of the Chicago Cubs and exclusive home to Chicago Cubs checking. And uh, guys, as we know, well, I say guys, I maybe I need to do some introductions first. How about that? That would be a good way to get the ball rolling. Uh, I'm also joined today by my guy, Sean Marshall. You see him on Cubs Live, on Cubs Post Game Live, on the regular. And you also hear this man, we like to call him Dracula around Marquee Sports Network, but it's Tony Andraki. He's our Marquee Sports Network Cubs reporter. And you always hear him strong arming David Ross and all the guys in those press conferences post game. And he's always sprinkling in a nice little line of questioning whenever the time calls for it. Now guys, as we talk about the weekend that just passed, we know what happened with the St. Louis Cardinals. It was a split of the season series, five games to five games. But Sean, I'm gonna start with you because that doubleheader followed by Sunday's game certainly was a punch in the gut, but the way the guys rebounded on Labor Day, unbelievable. They had Johan Oviedo laboring on a holiday, and that's exactly what you wanted to see, especially when you knew how important this game five was in this five-game set at Wrigley Field. Yeah, we talked about on the broadcast yesterday how important that game was, almost a must-win scenario compared to every other game in this season, but it was huge to stop the three-game losing streak in a solid pitching performance by Kyle Hendricks. Rowan Wick came in for a clean ninth inning. There were some timely hits, some fantastic defense because Hendricks kept the ball on the ground and created a lot of weak contact. But that was huge. It was a two-game swing. If they lose that one, the Cardinals are half a game back, but they won that one. Now the Cardinals at this point are two and a half games back. Very important to keep those guys behind you. Absolutely. And one thing that we really took away from that game was that Kyle Hendricks, he was out there dealing 97 pitches, 70 pitches coming for strikes. I mean, this guy... Like, like Cameron Maben said, when he played on other teams and he would go up against, uh, go up against a guy like Kyle Hendricks, uh, Kyle Hendricks specifically, he would always say, we're, we're facing a baby Maddox out there. And Tony, that's exactly what Kyle Hendricks looked like. He looked like a young Greg Maddox, his, his control pinpoint. And like Sean was telling me during commercial break yesterday, I mean, when, when you can throw that many pitches for strikes, you're doing something right. And that's exactly what we saw from the professor. Yeah, I think one thing you can always count on is Hendricks to have a great performance against the Cardinals at Wrigley Field. We've seen it time and again over the last couple of years that, uh, what was it, the 81 pitch uh, complete game shutout last season against the Cardinals. And then, you know, this year, Hendricks is just so good at home. He always has been, you know, going back, dating back to that 2016 season. And he's been just really efficient at Wrigley Field. And this is what the Cubs needed, right? Like they needed a performance from him to inspire a lot of confidence to to get his changeup back. And he was saying after Monday's outing that he felt like suddenly right after that start in Pittsburgh, where he was saying his changeup has been feeling the worst it's felt in a very long time. He went out and threw like his bullpen was just playing catch off a flat ground and felt like the changeup was coming out of his hand better than it had been at any other point over the previous couple of weeks. So, you know, I, I think uh, for him, you know, to get back to where he needed to be to get that changeup back, which is such a huge pitch, it's obviously just so important for the Cubs because right now they have Darvish and him. And then after that, there, there are some serious question marks with this rotation and with this pitching staff in general. So very encouraging for the Cubs to see Hendricks pitch like he's capable of. Also a pretty important W because uh, you obviously you know that there's Cincinnati, there's Milwaukee staring down the barrel. And, you know, you know you need to go win those games. And being able to split versus the Cardinals – it's a whole lot better than taking the loss in the season series, not just because it's a loss in the season series, but because it's the St. Louis Cardinals and it's a momentum builder. I mean, when you can win this game on a Monday and then three versus Cincinnati and then Milwaukee coming down the pipe, Sean, that, that's a big one for David Ross and the Cubs. 
It sure was. And, and it's going to be important for the starting pitching to shape up towards the back end of the rotation. There's some question marks there with Chatwood and Quintana getting healthy and almost looking like a big boost for a struggling, a bit of a struggling rotation at the time. And then to go right back on the disabled list, Hurt again was a huge thorn in the Cubs side as far as pitching depth. But it's going to be important for a guy like Albert Azalai to pitch very well this week for Alec Mills to regain that early season form. Again, to win games, in my opinion, and I'm a pitcher, maybe I'm a little bit biased, it's about pitching performances. It really is. And we saw it in game one of this Cardinal series with a Darvish outstanding outing. And then again in game five with the Kyle Hendricks. And then there was a lot of stuff in between that was very forgettable. So they're going to have to do some remember, rememberful performances like I said yesterday in broadcast a September to remember not only from the pitching standpoint but from some of these offensive guys need to get going and some of them better late than never scenario as a i.e. Uh, Chris Bryant getting going Javi Baez swinging at pitches in the strike zone a great game with three hits yesterday showing off the hustle and his ability to play defense again as well but there's there needs to be the timely hits there needs to be consistent offense they got to get the runners in scoring position average up and that's going to come with gritting out, uh, grinding out at bats and, and putting the ball in play like we saw Anthony Rizzo do twice for RBIs yesterday in a very important game. Absolutely. Now, when you talk about a September to remember, Sean, oh, I mean, it's going to be a September to remember for the St. Louis Cardinals because they have 437 doubleheaders stacked up, and that's just this week. <laughs> now, Tony, I mean, for a team to be able to get through this gauntlet and, and come on the other side clean and fresh, like, it's, it's going to be tough for St. Louis to do that. But from what we've seen, at least so far, they've been able to manage their workload. Yeah, they have. It's been really impressive because they're kind of like playing with house money right now. You know, they, when they came back after that 17 day shutdown, I think it was Matt Carpenter, some of the other veterans in the Cardinals team were saying, look, it'll be a miracle if we make the playoffs this year, it would just be such so difficult with that grueling schedule that we've talked about and so many double headers. I mean, these guys have two off days, from when they started playing in like the second week of August all the way through the end of the season. They just had one last week and they have one coming up, uh, I think this week or next week. Um, but yeah, they have to play five, six double headers left. They have to play 26 games in 20 days in the final 20 days of the season. So I, I don't know how the Cardinals are going to be able to, to continue to maintain this. I, I do think, um, you know, they've been able to do it so far. So I guess you can't sit here and say like they're absolutely going to start faltering and, and start, you know, running into a wall, but it's, it is difficult to sustain. And, you know, Sean, I, I'm sure you could speak to that too. When you play so many games in such, such a short amount of time, at some point, I think the mental grind is even more than like a physical grind in terms of uh, just the Cardinals being able to show up to the field and having to play 14 innings, even in the seven inning double header environment. So I do think at some point, I, I wonder if the, the schedule will catch up with these Cardinals. You know, it's, it's funny because it, it as tired as the Cardinals are probably are right about now with the schedule that's laying ahead for them. Can you imagine how their broadcast team feels? <laughs> you know, as tired as we act like we are sometimes, Sean, you know, we go in there, we do games right. as much as the, as the guys, you know, they're out there that they get to play. We have to dress up in suits and ties, but I can only imagine how tired the, the Cardinals broadcast team is right now. So tip of the cap to not only the Cardinals, but the Cardinals broadcast team. But when it comes to 
guys stepping up, you know, it's, it seems as if every turn of the corner, we see a different player that's, that's going to come up big, whether it's David Bodie or Ian Happ or Jason Hayward, Jason Hayward, hopefully he has, he's had some saltine crackers and some Sprite and everything's feeling better with him right about now. But when it comes to guys in the rotation, you know, the people that we've seen step up, it's been pretty much the usual suspects. It's been you Darvish, it's been Kyle Hendricks, but Sean, who else needs to step up for this stretch run? I heard you just uh, lean towards Alec Mills. Alec Mills, he's a scheduled starter on Tuesday, of course, versus Cincinnati. And I know he's a guy that you've, you know, you've heaped a lot of praise on, but you've also put some pretty big uh, expectations on the adjunct professor. Absolutely. And Mills needs a, a chapter from how Kyle Hendricks pitched and the pitches and the importance of executing pitches. He gets in trouble because he doesn't have the high velocity stuff to get by guys. He doesn't have an outstanding put away breaking ball. He's got to get me over breaking ball, but he has a great changeup and he has a great front door sinker, but he needs to execute pitches. And that's the key to getting outs in the big leagues is executing pitches. And we saw with Colin Ray in his post game when he struggled that day, he was like, it was my execution. That's the key word. When you're a young pitcher, you have to make the pitches. If you're leaving the ball in the middle of the plate against outstanding hitting, they're going to do damage. And we saw it in several examples recently against Mills and Colin Ray. And even Alzali got in some trouble walking guys and putting guys on for free. But the one big guy that stands out to me is vintage John Lester. He has to regain form. He has to regain confidence. In my opinion, I have no question that he will regain this form and confidence, but it's going to take a start or two for him to get, get it, get it back. I mean, he's, the last couple of appearances, his ERA is like nine and a half. And that's just really unacceptable. And it's, it's tough to see from such, such a guy that's such a quality starting pitcher. But it's going to be important for him to obviously regain form, to be an anchor in the middle of that rotation. And plus his postseason experience, his gritty attitude, his competitiveness will all come out in postseason play. But he has to get his confidence back before he gets to that point. Without a doubt. Now, Tony, I know you're you're a big fan of Cubs Live, Sean Marshall, myself, you know, Ryan Sweeney, Ryan Dempster, Carlos Pena, Mark Grace, Rick Sutcliffe. It's a it's a hit list of former Cubs. But when it comes to the key to the game, that's what we do before every first pitch. We like to give the rundown, let everybody know how the Cubs are going to try and hopefully get the win. But when it comes to the bullpen, what's going to be the key to them being solid down the stretch? Because I think I know where my head's at right now, at least with one or two big pieces of that puzzle, but I want to see what you're driving with. Yeah, I think the biggest key to the bullpen is the same that it has been for the last couple of months and the last couple of years is Craig Kimbrell. He's a guy that uh, he completely changes the complexion of the bullpen if, if he's pitching the way that he capable of and he's had spurts right like he's done pretty well his last couple times out now uh and he but he had that issue in Cincinnati with with wild pitch and control before that he had a, a good couple of outings again but you know it like so it the inconsistent performances the up and down the mechanical issues that he's had I you know if he can get right it changes a lot and whether he's pitching in the ninth inning or whatever it doesn't matter it the Cubs need Kimbrel to get right if they're going to go where they want to go down the stretch here and in October. And then to a lesser extent, I think a guy like Ryan Tapera, getting him back to what he was doing in his first, you know, eight, 10 outings of the season, I think is also very important because Rowan Wick has looked like he's righted the ship a bit here and you've got Jeremy Jeffress. And then, you know, we'll see about some of the, the newer guys uh, that have either come up from South Bend or traded for like Josh Osage. But, you know, I think Tapera, if you're able to have Tapera and Kimbrell to go along with Jefferson Wick, 
I think you feel pretty confident about that group, at least in, in a short series. But yeah, those two guys really, and especially Kimbrell, I think so much of the onus of this bullpen falls on him. Absolutely. Craig Kimbrell, he will be a huge piece to the winning puzzle down the stretch. But I mean, at least for me, the biggest piece of that puzzle, the mainstay has to be Jeremy Jeffers. I mean, what Jeremy Jeffers has done, at least so far this season, I mean, he's been lights out. I mean, the opposition hitting right around 100, maybe just a little bit under from the last time he took the hill. But I mean, what he's shown us so far, Sean, at least for me, I'm not the skipper. We know that's David Ross's job. He fills out the lineup card. He sits there in post-game press conferences. He feels all the questions from the media. That's not what I do. But if I had to put a label on one of the relievers right now and give them that closer label, I think yeah. it would be Jeremy Jeffers. Not only does he come in and pitch like a closer, I mean, you just see the, the bravado, the, the, the mojo he has walking around that mound. I mean, that's what a closer has to bring to the table. You're absolutely right, Cole. And he has been just – absolutely spectacular in his performances this year he's been so stable and consistent and, and aggressive in the strike zone with his offerings and it's a good to have a guy like that at the back end of the bullpen showing some of those young guys like you talked about Tony the the young guys Tapera, even Winkler younger on the experience side and some of these new arms that come up that are going to be needed down this final stretch of the regular season and into the postseason but yes you're right about JJ man he is He's got the swag. He's got the attitude. He hops off the mound. He's doing well. And he's best buddies, in my opinion, from really watching our videos. And every time we cut to pregame, him and Kembrell are talking together. And there, there's a lot of experience in between those two guys that they can share, not only with one another, but with the young arms and the blossoming Cubs bullpen. But, yes, you're right about J.J., man. He's earned that spot to close some games. And and Kimbrell was slowly earning his way to also be closing games. Rowan Wick has been very good as of late and also could earn a chance to close games and finish games in high leverage, seventh, eighth inning outings. But as a whole, I mean, they got Josh Oshitz, and I'm, I'm a fan of his offerings. I, I wasn't a fan of his execution the other day. I thought he was erratic, and, and he can be more consistently aggressive with this stuff. He's got a plus fastball in the mid-90s, low to mid-90s. He's got a nice cutter. And he's got a really quality breaking ball. But if you're not rolling it in for strikes and you're not using it at the right time, it's ineffective. But he's a key addition, a big lefty arm. Like I talked about what the Cubs needed at the, at the trade deadline. They needed a lefty arm that's low 90s or so that's got some finish that can punch some lefties out. And they got it. And they also got Chafin from the D-backs, who's not healthy at the moment, but will be. And it's very similar pitcher. So they get those guys on track. And they'll have multiple offerings from both sides, lefties and righties, to get whoever out, whenever out. You know, another guy that, that will be riding in, I don't know if he, he's not riding into the sunset, he's riding out of the sunset, back on the Cubs. It's uh, the man who has the hat banged off to the left. It's Pedro oh, yeah. Stroke. He's down there at the alternate location, which almost sounds like a, where, where superheroes hide out. Like, hey, wh where's he at? They're at the alternate location. It's like the Batcave. It's like the, the Hall of Justice, whatever it is. But that's where Pedro Strope's hanging out right now. He's in South Bend, Indiana. And uh, when, when he comes back and when, when he is there at Wrigley Field, I think the impact that he's going to make, not, not just because of what he brings on the Hill, just because of the familiarity. I, I think that that's going to be a, a real big feather in the cap of David Ross, Tony. Yeah, I think it, it will be. You know, I, I – the tough part with him is I, I just wonder if there's enough time for him to get back to the form that they want him to be at. That's what Ross pointed to is, is they're going to have him go to, to bat cave and get, you know, back up to speed, back up to major league form. So I, I don't know for sure if he'll be able to, he had a groin injury in Cincinnati and 
Uh, he walked six batters in just over two innings of work there too. So, you know, I, it, it's a big question mark with Strope, but I do know if he does come up and, and impact this big league club, he, his impact would be a lot more than, than what he just does on the mound because he's a, he has pitched in big moments, but he's such a presence in that clubhouse. He's one of the most popular guys and favorite guys of, of the, anybody there from Ross to, to Lester to the bullpen guys or position players. He just has such a, a great personality and a smile all the time. So, you know, I think a guy like him and then, uh, uh, Eldelmo Vargas, the utility guy that they got, and then Billy Hamilton too. I'm really curious to see how the Cubs utilize Billy Hamilton, his speed, his ability to play defense in the outfield late in games. So I, I think they, they've added some nice reinforcements here, like Sean was mentioning too, Osich and Chafin. You know, between that and uh, Jose Martinez when he kind of gets going too, and Cameron Maven, all these guys, you get them into a mix. I am really curious to see how it kind of changes the complexion of this team over the final three weeks. Yeah, and if we only had a guy who once upon a time played with Billy Hamilton and knew what he brought to the table, oh, we do. Oh, yeah. Sean Marshall, that's your boy, Billy Hamilton. I mean, not only is he one of the fastest guys to, to play baseball in at least the last 25 years or so, but he's also a good clubhouse guy and just a, a great character guy. Yeah, he's a cool dude. He really is. He's a very nice dude off the field as well. But what he brings to the Cubs now and what I saw for four years as a Cincinnati Red is the base running prowess. Yeah, he's fast, obviously. He's quick, obviously, but he's so smart on the base paths. I've seen him on multiple occasions tag and score on fly balls to second base, and you don't see that from just any other player. He can do it, but the defense, like Tony mentioned, I've seen gold glove defense from this guy, and he had some room to run. It's a smaller ballpark, but I've seen him in some of the visiting fields, like a course field and running around the outfield here at Wrigley Field. And he can cover the ground, and he makes fantastic plays. He's got a pretty quality arm as well. But there, there's your defensive substitute. I mean, they, they obviously had some struggles with Alba, uh, Almora. Uh, offensive struggles, obviously, the defense is always there for him. But he provides the speed. Billy Hamilton provides the speed, this, the stolen bases, the pinch runner effect that the Cubs really haven't had at all this year. They had Ian Miller come up briefly. I don't even know if he got in the game, but he had the speed. But now they have Billy Hamilton to maybe put him in some postseason situations, which Billy has been in several times with some teams, including the Reds in 12 and 13 with me. And he's, he's a fantastic dude, fantastic player, defense, speed, base running prowess. And, yeah, utility player in Vargas. Maybe he comes to play in different situations as well as getting opportunities where there may be some holes on defense as well. But he sounds like he's a very likable guy as well. Well, maybe we'll see Billy Hamilton on base when KB or Anthony Rizzo or whoever comes up to the plate, Wilson Contreras, because the way these guys have been swinging it as at least the last few games, hopefully they can push a few runners across because Tony, we've right. seen the Cubs struggle with runners in scoring position, but on Monday, it looked as if the guys were starting to turn the corner. We saw Javi hustling it out. It looked like he had four hits. He's still campaigning for that fourth knock. But, I mean, to get infield hits and for KB to be squaring up a lot of fastballs and, you know, just making a lot of loud contact in general, I mean, that, that's a good sign for the guys turning the corner, especially with that finish line right in sight. Yeah, I think KB is a big one because his at-bats in the Cardinals series, especially the last couple of games, it looks a lot more like the Chris Bryant at-bats and approaches and swings that we had seen from him in years past. And honestly, I, we hadn't seen that a whole lot this year, even before the wrist injury that he suffered in Cleveland. So I, I think, you know, he, he's staying on the ball. He's hitting it hard. He's pulling it. 
when necessary, or he's hitting the ball in the air and with some authority to, to center and right center too. So I think, you know, obviously he still has a little bit of room to grow to get back to that MVP caliber. But I think for both guys to, to kind of get up to that, uh, for him and Javi of the two, to get up over 200 coming out of that Cardinals series with their batting average, yeah, it's a kind of a moral victory, but I think it's an important one. And I think it's one that helps out in confidence with them moving forward to be like, hey, we can hang our hat on for Bryant back-to-back two-hit games to close out the Cardinals series. For Javi, like you mentioned, Cole, he had you know some great base running and hustle that he had a three-hit game. And as well, going the other way, that's huge for Javi. So for these guys, I, I think you, you kind of take the moral victories with them and move forward. And if they're able to do that, that would just be such a game changer for this lineup to get Chris Bryant in the two spot and Javi Baez in the cleanup spot back to, to even a fraction of, of what they're truly capable of this offense, all the issues, bases, you know, issues with bases loaded runners in scoring position, whatever. I, I think all of the issues look a lot better when those two guys are hitting the way they're capable of. Absolutely. And there's 18 games to go. We're going to give you our keys to the rest of the season in just a second. But uh, last time I looked, I've never hit, a major league home run at all. And I especially have never hit a major league home run off of El Duque. Um, Tony, have you ever hit a home run <laughs> off of El Duque before? I have not, no. Oh, okay. Um, let me see. Uh, Sean, Sean, how about you? Have you ever hit a home run off of El Duque? <laughs> Actually, Cole, my only home run I ever hit in my whole life, except for maybe an inside the park, one without a fence where I just kept running. That was my only home run I hit over a fence. Hold on a second. Are you, are you serious? You <laughs> never hit a home run, not, not even in high school, not even no, in man. college. I didn't have the power. I was too too lanky, too lean and lanky. Didn't have the bat speed. Didn't learn how to generate it until what a older surprise. in life. As you're wearing <laughs> a sleeveless shirt, you don't look lanky at all in that sleeveless <laughs> shirt. <laughs> okay, so since you're the only one here with a major league home run to your credit, when it comes to the guys being able to, you know, uh, get out of that funk, especially with runners in scoring position. Well, what do you think the key is going to be before we give our keys to the, to the season because there's 18 games left? Well, we've seen a lot of strikeouts from the Cubs offense, in particular a few games with 11 and 12 strikeouts this weekend. You've got to swing at strikes. And what the Cubs have been doing and missing a lot of the big hits as well instead of some – they're swinging at balls that aren't even certain. It's like we've seen Rizzo swing at a lot of pitches this year that are coming into his knee and hitting him at the same time. We've seen Baez commit his swing so early that he doesn't even know where the pitch is. Sometimes it's eye level. Sometimes it bounces in front of the plate. So it's going to be important for the Cubs offense as a whole. Yes, to continue to see pitches, which they're fantastic and number one in the league at doing so and getting on base, which they do also very well. But the timely hit comes from swinging at pitches, fouling off pitchers' pitches like we saw Rizzo do yesterday. Yes, he didn't hit a big hit for damage. But then he got a pitch in the strike zone to handle it and drive guys in. So we're going to need to see more of that, more plate discipline, not expanding out of the strike zone, doing damage in hitters counts, which guys like Ian Happ excel at, probably the best in baseball. That's about 600 or so when he is ahead in the count, which is 2-0, 2-1, 3-1 counts. So they need to do that. they got to create damage. And they do a great job of putting pressure on the pitcher to continually make pitches by fouling pitches off and seeing pitches per plate appearance. So they continue that approach along with the timely hits, the runners in scoring position hits like we've talked about. And if they can pitch and they got to get the stability in the back end of what is a bit of a question mark in their starting rotation going forward as well. All right, guys, uh, I'm going to take a page out of one of my favorite announcers books, uh, Ernie Johnson, because uh, time now for our overachieving keys to the game. 
for the remaining re- remainder of the season. There's 18 games left to go. And uh, like Ernie Johnson says, our keys to the game sponsored by nobody. Unsp- un- unsullied <laughs> by sponsorship for the, since 2020. And I, you know, I, I tried, I'm just stumbling all over my mouth here. So I, we, we, we almost could delete that section, but e- either way, it's the key to the game for the last 18 games. I know where I'm going to go with this, Tony. I'm going to go with playing a lot more small ball, putting the ball in play, Maybe we see some hit and runs. Maybe we see some steals. Maybe we see some drag bunts, push bunts, whatever the situation may be. But that, that's one thing I, I, I really like. And I, I don't think a lot of other people are, are, are of the same mindset. I, a lot of people don't go to games to see small ball. But last time I looked, scoring runs, that wins games. And winning games, that's always cool. So small ball, to me, that could be one of the keys to the remainder of the season. I, I don't know about you. Where you where's your head at? Yeah, no, I like that, especially with the Hamilton acquisition and stolen base and that speed can be a different dynamic for this offense. For me, the key is starting pitching, as Sean mentioned. I think it's it's whether it's Lester getting back to form or Alzale coming up and, and taking a stranglehold on the job. I think the Cubs need at least one starter, somebody. Alec Mill is getting back to form. They need one guy behind Darvish and Hendricks to, to emerge as a clear number three option. So that means a guy that when they go out, the, the team feels really good about winning, that even if they don't have their, their stuff on that day, they're still able to go five or six innings, save the bullpen, and, and give the team a chance to win. And they haven't had that beyond Darvish and Hendricks for, uh, you know, going on almost a month now, uh, about three, four weeks. So if they get that, I think as Ross said after Monday's game too, as the starting pitching goes, this team goes. And, and I think that's what they need to get back to. And I think Elzele is a huge potential for that. I, he's a guy that can come up, show the dynamic strikeout stuff too. I, I, that's the biggest thing. They, they have to get their starting pitching in order over these 18 games and then leading into October for a three-game series. Sean, what do you think? 18 games yeah. to go, man. What's your key? You know, Tony, I think you're exactly right. I think the guy that I lean on and I look for the best contribution is the guy that's been there and has won three World Series championships, and that's John Lester, also known as probably the best free agent signing in recent Cubs history has been just tremendous. And the postseason experience will come into play, obviously, with the Cubs over a 97% chance of making the playoffs. But it is a three-game set, and you're absolutely right. They're going to need three pitchers in the first playoff round, which is three games, to contribute and be reliable. So he's that guy, in my opinion. But, yes, Alzali and Mills need to regain form to make sure they have a a division lead at the end of the season and win the division. But most importantly, my key is the big four that we talked about yesterday in the pregame show and getting going. I was fired up for that breakdown too. I was, I felt like I was bringing the noise and Cole, maybe, maybe I did, or maybe I didn't, but it's Baez, Bryant, Schwarber and Rizzo. The numbers aren't there and they're not going to be in this shortened season, but in the course of their Cubs history, they have great numbers, every single one of them. And Bryant back in the two-hole in the spot he's most comfortable at. He's almost a career 300 hitter there. Schwarber with the power and the prowess. Rizzo, again, the gold glove defense and the leader offensively and defensively, in my opinion. And Baez to regain his MVP caliber form and the magic that he brings to the Cubs ball field lineup on offense, defense, base pass, all of it. And along with Cole, exactly the small ball and the importance of that in these possible extra inning games when they start with a man on second base to get the guy over and Gracie's key of the game, get him in, get him on, get him over and get him in. So yeah, I think those are the formulas for the success, not only the regular season, but to have a good chance in the postseason. 
Absolutely. And there's only 18 games left. So every game is just as important as the next one. And the Cubs, they know that they need to win as many of these contests as humanly possible because like we said, it's a sprint to the finish line, just 60 games this year. And not only will the season be different as it has been already, but the postseason, that's going to be a little different ball of wax as well. And the Cubs, I know one thing they do not want to see in that second season is the St. Louis Cardinals in those baby blue uniforms. And that is a possibility. So whatever they can do to keep the Redbirds at arm's length, the better. So that's that's our time here on this week's Cubs Weekly Podcast. So for Tony Andraki and Sean Marshall, you know we're always presented by Wintrust, proud legacy partner of the Chicago Cubs and exclusive home to Cubs checking. And if you want to catch up on the podcast, all you have to do is go download it where you hear your favorite podcast. Go to Apple, go to Spotify, and you know what to do after that. So for Tony and Sean, I'm Cole. We'll see you next week right here on the Cubs Weekly Podcast. Enjoy your week.